0: Isn't that a good song? Thank you for the blood of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we're going to talk about smart money today. How many of you need money? How many of you need money to live? Do you? I want to be sure I'm preaching to the right people. Anybody here not need any money? I want to meet you. Let's stand together, and I want to read out of Job, and we're going to talk about smart money today. I'm going to show you that money is spiritual, very spiritual. It's a great and a grand issue for every single one of us. I want you to look at what Job said. Who would have thought that Job would mention money? But look what he says. If they listen and obey God, they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. All their years will be pleasant. Now notice, here's a conditional promise. Begins with if. If we listen and obey God, we'll be blessed with what? Now, that's not saying that everybody's going to be a millionaire or anything like that, but it is saying this. God is connected to our money. God does provide money. And if we listen and obey God, God takes care of us. He just does. You can't outgive God. And all of our years will be pleasant. That is, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, David said, nor his seed begging bread. So God will take care of you. You may not have everything you want, but you will have everything you need. God takes care of you. So let's today look at smart money. Let's pray together. Father, we need wisdom about money. As our nation, Lord, is in financial turmoil and in inconceivable debt, yet, Lord, your people are to be free. And so I'm asking you, Lord, today that you will give us financial wisdom Wisdom with our finances so that we will not be cursed, but be blessed. Not be without, but will have enough. And I ask you for it and thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Now, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, be Lord of my finances. Take charge of my financial life. And bring me into financial divine order. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor that's a powerful and a dangerous prayer. Praise God. You better listen. Because when you're asking God to deal with your money, He certainly will. Now I want to just begin by saying that money is fundamentally a spiritual issue. And it has spiritual ramifications and spiritual repercussions. The Bible says, for instance, that money can keep us from serving God. That's how powerful money is. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, nobody can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So there can be a contest between money and God. And there are many people who have made money their God. And Jesus said that can't work. You cannot do it. We are created to have one god and he'll either be the god or it'll be some other god but money can keep us from serving god now it can also lure us away from the faith first timothy 6 10 says some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs somebody who used to walk with god will get up and say you know what I want more, I need more, I'm going for it. And they begin to chase primarily money. Money becomes their primary pursuit. And when you do that, it says that you can actually wander from the faith and in the end, not the beginning but the end, you pierce yourself through with many sorrows. You know that money can lead to bondage. That's how powerful money is. Proverbs 22, 7 says, The poor are always ruled over by the rich. So don't borrow and put yourself under their power. If you borrow too much money, you're under the power of the lender and you're not under the power of God. That is, the lender has more control over your life than God. And you can put yourself under their power. So money can actually lead you to bondage if you use it wrong. But guess what? Money can be used for great good. We just now saw how money can be used for good. We're about to see as a church how hundreds and hundreds of Haitian children and Haitian adults are going to be ministered to, helped, healed, delivered because of money used for the right thing. You see, this is a dollar bill I have in my hand. When I receive this dollar, it's completely neutral. It's neutral waiting on and depending on how I use it. I can use it for evil, or I can use it for good. I can give it to a bad cause, or I can give it to a good cause. And when it leaves my hand, it is going to be used for good or used for evil. And so God wants us to be very wise about money. Now, if you doubt the power of money, let me share a few more facts with you. George Gallup reports that 64% of all couples worry about money. I happen to believe it's even more than that. Anybody worried about money lately in here today? Just raise a hand real quick if you've worried lately about money. That's more than 64%. 51% of all couples that call it quits say their decision had something to do with their finances. The number one destroyer of marriages is money. If you have enough, you're blessed. But if you don't, it can put a stress on you like nothing else and so it's very very important that we're wise with money the the marriage vow used to be till death do us part but it has become now till debt do us part because money gets in there, puts a wedge in between those married people and they begin to struggle about money and fight about money and have stress about money And if you don't get your financial act together, money can ruin your home, ruin your marriage, rob your joy, rob your peace, steal your reputation, and greatly affect your spiritual walk with God. Money is spiritual. A recent Newsweek cover showed a couple buried under credit cards with a headline that read, Americans are drowning in debt. Well, I could add an addendum to that. Just say America is drowning in debt. Our politicians have put us into a debt that is inconceivable that will probably never be paid off. But that doesn't mean the people of God have got to be in the same condition. Don't do as your government has done. Do as the Word of God tells us to do. Amen? The article in Newsweek goes on to say, Americans have been borrowing in record amounts as the economy has tanked this year. Home equity debt has soared past $330 billion. Bankruptcies are up 20%. That that is not saying there's 20% bankruptcy. It's saying it's up 20%. And most people are spending more than they make. Christian financier Larry Burkett points to the underlying reason behind all of this, and he says, quote, an increasing number of families don't know how to handle money debt and resources. Americans clearly lack financial literacy skills. We do. Now, if anybody ought to have financial wisdom, it ought to be the church because this book, the Word of God, is full of teaching about money. Jesus' parables were more about money than any single thing. Money matters because money can make or break you. It can lift or drop you. It can give you great joy or give you great sorrow and great angst. Now the next couple of Sundays I'm going to try fixing some of this with some simple money advice from the richest man in the Old Testament, old King Solomon, who was the richest man in the Old Testament. Did you know that the Proverbs that he wrote most of lay out five simple principles for smart money? And I want you to say these with me, would you? Keep good records. Plan your spending, save for the future, be content with what you already have, and give back at least 10% to God. So, Pastor, why are you talking so much about money? Well, here's why. Because if you talk about tithing and you leave it there, you're doing the people of God a great disservice. Because you can tithe but be so out of whack in the rest of your finances that you're in financial trouble all the time anyway, and you start going, something is wrong. We need wisdom with money, because God has entrusted us with finances, and if we handle that those finances, it's a trust. This dollar was given me as a trust, not as ownership. It's given to me, and it's going to go out from me. And I really believe this about God: if God knows He can get it through you, He will get it to you. And so. We need financial wisdom, and the Bible testifies to as much. Now, let's look, first of all, if we want to keep from losing control of our money, what do we do? If we want to honor God with our finances, what do we do? Well, this may sound real practical and real non-churchy, but, oh, it's so spiritual. We've got to keep good records. Can you say with me? Keep good records. Now, Solomon refers to this smart money principle. In Proverbs 27, 23 through 24, listen to what he says. Know the condition of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. For riches don't last forever. So, Pastor, what does that have to do with my money? Well, it's real simple. In Solomon's day, instead of stocks, they had flocks. Now, let me tell you what a shepherd would do. You've got to understand this. This is one of the things that makes the 23rd Psalm so meaningful. You remember the 23rd Psalm where it says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What's he talking about there? Well, a shepherd in the Old Testament would have his flock of sheep, or whatever they were, usually sheep. He would have a flock of sheep, and at night, in the springtime, he would bring them in to the corral. And he would bring them through an open gate. And he would bring them through that gate one by one. And as each sheep entered the gate, he would lower his rod. And he would stop that sheep. And he would inspect his fur and inspect his skin and inspect his eyes and pay all kinds of close attention to him. And he would give him what we might call a shepherd inspection, the rod. Now, the application to you and me is the Word of God is God's rod. And that's why you ought to be in it every day. Because when you're in the Word of God every day, in essence, God is putting the rod down in front of you, and He is giving you the Word of God will give you a shepherd inspection. And He will see if you've got wounds, if you've got burrs in the fur, if you've got things that need to be fixed. And if you get in the Word every day, every day the Word of God will tend to you and keep you and keep you clean and keep you whole. So that's why David said, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's comforting when the rod comes down in front of you and you are stopped and you get a beautiful shepherd inspection. He says, ah, you need to forgive somebody here. Or, oh, you need to get this out of your life. Or, oh, I see a little wound here. Let's get it fixed. And he would count the sheep as they went in. Now, those sheep were his dollars. So what was he doing? He was counting his dollars. And he was checking the condition of his money. He was was keeping track. That's why it says know the condition of your flocks. Put your heart into caring for your herds. The application of you and I is this. A man's herds were his assets. Our money is our asset. Solomon is saying to get control of our finances, the first thing we must do is keep track of what we've got and what condition it's in. Have you ever heard the saying, money used to talk, now it just quietly slips away? (laughs) In another passage, Solomon notes the transitory nature of money, and here's what he says. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. You ever feel that way? In the blink of an eye, where'd that money go? In the blink of an eye wealth disappears for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. The transitory nature of money. Because of this reality we got to always be aware of the condition of our accounts. Count the money. Pay attention to what you have. Solomon is telling us keep good records. Know the condition of your flocks. Now record keeping Should be set up so that you know, you know, four things. And I want you to say them with me. What I owe, what I own, what I earn, and where it goes. You got to know what you owe, know what you own, know what you earn, and know where it goes if you're going to keep track, because that's what those shepherds did. They knew what they owed, they knew what they owned every day. They knew what they earned, and they knew where they went. Have you ever said, "I don't know where all my money went." Have you ever said, "Where did all my money go?" Have you ever gotten paid, said, "Wow, praise God, here's the paycheck." and a week later you're going, "Where did it go?" Where did that money go?" Listen, if you don't know where it went, then unless somebody is stealing from you behind your back, and if they are, you need to find out about it, you're not keeping good records. If you're always going, I don't know where that money went, that's not a good confession, because you ought to know where that money went. One man who had a simple way of keeping track of his money, I'm only using this as an example, you can do it any way you want to, but he was very honest and he wrote these words about keeping track, keeping records of his money. He said, quote, there are tons of software programs out there that will help you keep good records, but I'm kind of technology challenged, so I just keep a simple paper calendar as a record of my spending. We're paid every two weeks so on those two days of the month I write in the amount of my paycheck. When I get paid I write in the calendar the amount of my sheep. Then he says then I write under each payday the bills that I'm gonna have to pay from that paycheck. How many sheep am I gonna have to take out of the herd to pay for what needs to be paid for tithe house payment car payment groceries utilities spending money kids allowances and I subtract them from the sheep I just got paid with then when I pay each bill from my paycheck I put a check mark next to the amount. That way I'm keeping up with what I spend. I know the condition of my flock. He says, Now I'm constantly having to add unexpected things to this calendar like birthday presents, so on and so forth. But even this simple method of keeping track of my money enables me to keep a fairly accurate record of the funds God entrusts me with. And then he ends it with this, I have found that Solomon is right. Knowing where my money is and where it goes helps me not worry about it. Everybody say, keep records. records. Pastor, that is so boring. Well, it's not so boring. Really, if you don't do it, you're going to be living in worry, be living in fear, be living in debt, be living distracted. Hate to say, but money's a part of life, and you've got to keep track of it. Now, the second thing Solomon said is you're going to have to plan your spending. Proverbs 21, five says, Plan carefully and you will have plenty. Can everybody say that with me? Plan carefully and you'll have how much? Plenty. Say it again. Plenty. plenty. But then he says, If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Now that's talking about spending impulsively. And I know nobody in here does that, but you may want to get the CD and take it to somebody who does. I know nobody in here spends impulsively. You only spend what you have planned to spend, right? Here's a principle I want you to never forget about money. Financial freedom is not determined by how much money you make. Financial freedom is not... Because listen, if you're bad with a small amount, you're going to be bad with a large amount. If you can't keep track... Of 40000 a year, you won't keep track of 200000 a year. If your habits are bad when you're making a little, they're going to be bad when you're making a lot. That's why there are multimillionaires out there right now today losing their mansions, losing their homes, losing their cars, losing everything. They had money, but they had terrible spending habits. It's not determined by how much money you make, but by how you spend what you make. Financial freedom comes from how you spend or don't spend what you make. How many of you, of you in here today want to be financially free, financially at peace? All right, watch this now. For most of us, the problem is that we spend too much. And one reason we spend too much is because we shop too much. Now, I want you to grab the size of your chair because I'm about to meddle. And what y'all don't realize is I meddle with you fully after the Holy Spirit has completely meddled with me because I have to put this message together. All right. Did you know the average American spends six hours a week in shopping and related activities? And I would wager that many here today spend more than that. Don't raise your hand. We don't want to know. Now, shopping is not necessarily bad if you shop wisely to find the best values. The problem is many of us don't do that. We think because we're a child of the king, we need to go to Needless Markup, otherwise known as Neiman Marcus, when instead we ought to go to Walmart or Target. If you're making a walmart amount of money, that's where you need to be. And if you're making a needless markup amount of money, go ahead and spend that if you want to. You can get a better buy somewhere else. I hope nobody in here works there. <laughs> but they would probably agree. See, here's the deal. Recent surveys show that 9 out of 10 people, 9 out of ten, nine out of 10 people shop impulsively And what did the Bible say? If you act too quickly, that's talking about impulsive buying, if you act too quickly, you will never, never have enough. They don't plan their spending. And if they do, they don't stick to their plan. And because they don't stick to their plan, they end up buying more than they can afford. Why in the world would you go out and buy more than you can afford? Why would you spend what you don't have? Well, I can give you some reasons. First of all, it's to keep up with the Joneses. It's envy and pride. You know, when you walk into a mall, a demon hops on you. He's waiting at the door. It's a mall demon. And here's how he operates. Lust of the eyes, I like it. Lust of the flesh, I want it. Pride of life, I need it to keep up with the Joneses. So you walk in and you hear a voice that says to you, that's yours. God gave that to you. Go ahead, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, it's yours. We walk up, we slap down plastic, we give visa, 18%. The people in New York are real happy with that. And we walk out with the possession, not stopping to think what that's going to cost us. In interest alone, they are robbers. thieves so it's to keep up with the john well you know uh, my neighbor's got that new mercedes got that new lexus got that nice house got that great suit or that pretty dress and so i just know that god wants me to at least be able to keep up with them because i'm one of them i'm a king's kid i'm as smart as them as educated as them i'm as good as them why can't i have what they have jesus said when when peter looked at john and said what about him You tell me I'm going to be crucified upside down. What about him? Jesus said, what is that to you? You are not to compare your life with someone else's because what I have for you is not what I have for someone else. Listen, when you're thinking about keeping up with the Joneses, the Bible says, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be content with what you have. For he has promised, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. So we can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. If the grass looks greener on the other side, somebody's having to fertilize it. When I see somebody with a brand new Mercedes, I think, I know I don't have those payments. I'm happy to drive around in my little center with my little bike rack on the back. It gets me there. It's a four-cylinder, but i tell you, it's pretty because those payments are cheap. Just because the Jones have it doesn't mean you've got to have it. Be content with what you have. Look up and say, Lord, thank you that, that I've got what I've got. It's not that I'm going not going to try to do better, but in the meantime, thank you for what I've got. But then there's also the incredibly powerful influence of the media. The message behind every billboard or magazine says, Don't plan your spending. Buy what you want. In the bike store I go to all the time, there's a sign attached to a beautiful, expensive bike that's hanging on a rack. And this sign says, ride now, pay later. <laughs> and every time I go in there, I have to plead the blood and the name of Jesus when I see this bike because I know that they are really ready and willing that if I said I want it, they'll make it happen. But guess what? I will pay Later, Can we say those two words together? Pay Pay later. pay later. See, debt is like sin. You sow some sin today, you pay for it tomorrow. Play today, pay tomorrow. Debt, what you want looks great when you get it, but have you ever noticed how loyal Visa is to write you? how they can be counted on to send you that bill. Have you ever noticed they're never late with that bill? And believe me, those advertisers that are trying to make you to get to the store, trying to draw you there, I think somebody ought to do a study. They ought to do a study on the connection between hours of television watched and dollars of indebtedness incurred. I bet it just goes up right along one with the other. And those advertisers They don't waste their money. They know exactly what they're doing to get into your head and get you to the store to buy something you don't want or you don't need or you can't afford. Behind every commercial are top script writers, actors, actresses, musicians, production people who join forces to get you and I to spend money we don't have. And then have you noticed there used to be a sale once a year Now there's a sale every weekend. Have you seen that? Are you watching the television? There's a sale all the time. And you've got to come take advantage of it because it's only going to last through the weekend. And these sales are pressured to get you to buy impulsively, to get you to go buy what you don't have money for. And they're good at it. Stores are opening early. They're staying open later, promising unbelievable deals. And many of us can't resist the pull. So we just go to browse. I'm just going to go on down there and browse. You see this commercial at JCPenney or Sears or Walmart or Neiman Markup, Needless Markup, or wherever it is. And you say, I'm just going to go browse. I'm not going to buy anything. I'm going to go browse. But you walk in the door and that demon of the mall has you. Because you hear a voice. It's yours. I've given it to you in the name of Jesus go take it but I have no money that's okay I'll take care I'll cover it have faith in God speak to that mountain it's yours go in there and grab it nab it blab it take it and we go in and we buy it just because it's on sale look at the deal I got honey what are you gonna use it for I don't know but it was on sale You know what the Bible says about this practice? It says in Proverbs 21.20, stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. I didn't say that. The Bible said it. And you know this great American pastime of impulsive shopping has created a whole new real McCoy addiction. Prevention Magazine did an article recently called Are You a Shopaholic? The article talks about support groups for shoppers, like Shopper Stoppers or Debtors Anonymous. And they mentioned some very interesting ways to break the habit of impulsive buying. One Shopper Stopper keeps his credit cards frozen in a chunk of ice in the freezer. So that if he gets the urge to spend he has to wait for the ice to melt. But see there's a problem there because what, what some of you do, you go put it in a microwave. And it's like, get, get me my card now. Some of us might want to use some concrete instead. Amen? Did you know that Jesus said if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away? It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole life to go into debt. Oh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. (laughs) Than for your whole body to go into hell. But you know debt is hell? You wake up and it sits on you. You go to bed, it sits on you. It talks to you all day long, weighs on you, puts stress on you robs you of your joy and your peace robs you of relationships robs you of your walk with god Debt is a killer dave ramsey has a better idea than cutting your right hand off he encourages the indebted to do some plastic surgery by just cutting your card in half instead that card is not sacred cut it in half well pastor if i can't if i do that i don't have any credit yes you do That's a lie. You don't have to have that card. Cut it in half. If you can't handle the card and you're always slapping it down to buy something, cut the card in half. Do some plastic surgery. Solomon would say the best way to break the habit of impulsive buying is by planning your spending and sticking to the plan no matter what. You look at what you made. You look at what your needs are, you break it down, you pay off your needs, you do a budget. A budget means you look at what you make, you look at what you've got to pay, and you budget that money where you don't spend more than what you're making. Budgeting is telling your money where you want it to go, rather than wondering where it went. Now, I'm going to say that again. Budgeting is telling your money where you want it to go instead of it telling you where to put it. See, you're either in charge of your money, and if you are, you have a budget. But if your money is in charge of you, you're an impulsive spender, and you don't have control of it. If you don't have control of it, the Bible says you're never going to have enough. You're never going to have enough. You're always going to be out of money. Nobody would drive a car without a gas gauge. You ought not be spending without a spending gauge. Yeah. Budget. A budget is telling your money where you want it to go rather than wondering where it went. What a great place to be. Here's where my money is going to go. I'm in charge of my money. It's not in charge of me. If I don't have it, I won't spend it. But I've got to have that dress. I've got to have that suit. I've got to have... Let me tell you what happened to me recently. Somebody in my staff went and got an iPad. Those new, cool, slick, multi gizmoed things put out by Apple. They're like little, tiny laptop computers. They do everything. You can type, and I don't want to say too much because you'll go out and buy one and go against what I'm saying. (laughs) But he brought it to staff meeting. And I said, let me see that thing. And I looked at it and was turning it upside because when you turn it, the whole graph goes with it. You, you, it does all kinds. And right when I was looking at it, that demon jumped on me, and it said, "You need that. You ought to go get one." And here's really, everybody's got one. Jones is. And so I was looking. I said, "Really, God, this is really." And then we went on with staff meeting, and and I kind of forgot about it. But the seed was sown by the devil in my head. I'm, now, I'm, I'm being kind of funny here. I don't believe I'm demon-possessed, but I do believe that the enemy can sure talk to you. Now, watch this. Kathy and I were flying off to D.C., and when we're flying to D.C. to go to this, this uh, function where all those pastors met, um, somebody right across the aisle from me has a, you know what, app and they're working on it. And what am I doing? I'm bored staring out the window at clouds. So I start thinking, it came back. I need one of those. And then I start telling myself all the reasons I need one. I can write a chapter to a book. I can write a sermon. I can play games on it. I can do all kinds of things when I'm flying once a year. Because <laughs> that's about how often I fly. <laughs> but I'm giving myself all these reasons. So we get to D.C., and this thing's working on me big time now. I'm thinking, hey, I'm around all these pastors and all these authors. I, I need an iPad just to kind of be in, to look like I'm really with it. And so I started calling around. I called my staff member and said, how much would you pay for one? And what kind should I get? And I'm ready to go on a D.C. hunt for an iPad. I know what you're thinking. You're you're asking, did you do it? I'll tell you in just a second. (laughs) what you do with it can be good or it can be bad the principle behind every budget is don't spend what you don't have you got to learn to say no don't live beyond your means or you're going to pay for it and you're never going to have enough so when you're considering a purchase like the ipad I'm going to tell you what I asked myself when I was thinking about it when the Lord didn't let me find one in D.C. (laughs) Here's the three questions you ask yourself before any purchase. Are you ready? Do I need it? Can I afford it? Do I have inner peace about it? Do I need it? Well, I started thinking, do I need an iPad? Really? I have a laptop. Do I really need an iPad? How often would I use it? Do I really need it, or do I just want it? I said, no, I don't really need it. I wish I had one, but I don't really need it. Seven, $800 for an iPad. Could I use that elsewhere? So I said, do I need it? Well, if I'm going to be honest with myself, no. Can I afford it? I don't need it shell out seven to eight hundred dollars for the latest technology gizmo that'll be outdated in a year do i have inner peace about it Well, I didn't even make it there because i already knew i don't have i don't need it and can't really afford to throw money away on something like that right now but if i had really gone to the third level and said do i have inner peace about it?" see here's the deal does the purchase make you anxious or give you a deep peace You know deep down inside, you know in your knower whether it's a smart spending decision or not. What is your gut saying to you? What's your gut saying? Are you tight on the inside about this possible purchase? If it's anything other than complete confidence that this is the right purchase, hit the brake pedal and say no. Who cares if you're keeping up with the Joneses or not? You're debt-free. Who cares what other people think about your older car? Sam Walton, who founded Walmart to the day he died, drove his old pickup around town. He didn't care what people thought. He could have driven a Bentley or a Rolls. He drove his old pickup around town. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Ask yourself, do I need it? Can I afford it? Do I have inner peace about it? and run it through that sifter? No, I did not get the iPad. Do I want one? Yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. But do I need it? No. Can I afford it? Not for that. Do I have peace about it? Didn't get there. See, so how do you make your money smart? All right, you've got to keep a ledger, keep a record, and plan your spending, run it through the sifter of a budget, and if you start to break your budget, don't do it. And your money is going to begin to increase. And you're going to find that you start having enough money to lay aside a little bit, save some, you start getting financially free, and then as Dave Ramsey says, when Murphy visits, everybody know who Murphy is? Murphy's law, if it can go wrong, it will. Have you ever noticed that when you don't have any money, that's when Murphy visits? He said when Murphy visits, you've got money you've laid aside and you can pay for it and Murphy doesn't hurt you. Murphy visits, he tends to visit when you don't have any money. That's when you, your car gets wrecked or your tire goes flat or things break in the house. That's when Murphy visits when you don't have any money. But if you have budgeted your money, saved some, been responsible over it, then when Murphy visits, you don't even feel it because you've got money to pay for what you need. Can you stand up together with me? Truth be known, how many of you needed this today? Isn't this what we really need to hear? Amen. And you see how it is a spiritual issue. Because thank God our church was strong enough we're able now to bless so many people. And we need We need a lot of things, but God's taking care of us because we give. Father, thank you for the power of money that is used for God. Thank you, Lord, that you've entrusted us with a certain amount of money coming in to our life. Help us, Lord, to subject it to records, to know the state of our flocks, and help us, Lord, to budget it, and not spend beyond what we have now if you can agree with that I want you to take a moment as we get ready just to worship uh, one or two stanzas I want you to say Lord I give you my money and I'm asking you to help me bring it under control where it's going where I'm telling it to and it's not ruling me but I'm ruling it Amen. Sing it, everybody. Be glorified. Lord, be glorified. Be glorified in my life. Lord, be glorified to Let's sing that with home. Let's sing it in my home, Lord. church family and I pray that they will be the head and not the tail above and not beneath blessed in their storehouse and blessed in the field blessed in their going out blessed in their coming in I pray Lord God that their bank accounts will be blessed by wise management which precedes wealth and I thank you for it father In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give him a hand of praise. Amen. And while they.